This next round podcast is presented by Roback Activewear. From performance polos to the performance hoodies and the performance Q-Zips, Roback is the best fit and the best fill. Use code TNR20 at Roback.com for 20% off your first order. That's R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. 20% off all polos, hoodies, and Q-Zips with the code TNR20. And make sure to check out the Roback print polos. They have you feeling good all year round. the east coast seven o'clock right in sec country it is time for monday morning live coming off week three looking ahead to the best weekend so far week four a lot of big games jim dunaway along with a man who will be the star over the next 60 minutes that is our buddy tom luganbill uh tom right off the bat i will tell you a great point by goose in our chat room before we even start when we're listening to rockstar's great cover there goose says chaos was hungry. Chaos was hungry this weekend. Got Tennessee, almost got Texas, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida State. Chaos. You got to feed it on weekends like we had in week three. Well, is it always like this? So every time we go into a weekend where we say, ah, the games aren't any good this weekend, right? You know, and, and then that's exactly when you get chaos. It's exactly when you get the upset. How about South Alabama throttling Oklahoma State? 33 to 7 in Stillwater. I mean, unbelievable. Miami of Ohio takes care of Cincinnati. Uh, West Virginia goes ahead and takes care of Pitt. My game, Florida State and Boston College, looked like it was going to be over midway through the third quarter, and it's a barn burner down to the to the very, very last series. So um, I love it, man. I, I think this is great stuff. Uh, it's what the sport's made of. And I, you know what? I also think a lot of it is because – you know, the transfer portal and the player movement and, and how rosters have been leveled out a little bit just adds to the intrigue each and every week because the competitive balance is probably better than it's been in recent uh, history. Since you were there at, at BC, we'll start there quickly. And you tell me, uh, you know, a lot of people after seeing Florida State beat a really good LSU team, they put Florida yeah. State into the playoffs. They play Clemson this weekend in a big game. How much of that, and I don't, you know, people understand the emotions of the bandana game. How much of that is BC in that bandana game, or did you see some concerns from Florida State? I think a lot of it was, and this is, we haven't seen Florida State do this going back to the middle of last season up until now. We haven't seen them uh, play down to the level of competition in the sense that when you looked at BC coming into this game, they lost to Northern Illinois, who, by the way, the next week lost to an FCS team. They should have lost to Holy Cross at home. The first two weeks, Boston College did not play well. I think that played a role in Florida State's psyche and their mindset. They didn't come and play to their own standard. And they allowed BC to get off to a fairly hot start. My only concern and surprise was that Florida State was not able to effectively run the football. That, that surprised me. Because Holy Cross in Northern Illinois ran the ball down BC's throat. And so that was was something that I didn't expect to see. But to be honest with you, Jim, Florida State was very, very fortunate. I mean, Boston College had 18 penalties. Mm. 18 penalties. And they now have, on the season, 38 total penalties in three weeks. If that hadn't happened, 
Um, I think it's very likely that Boston College would have would have won that game and, and obviously destroyed Florida State's season. But Florida State weathered the storm, hung in there. Jordan Travis suffered an injury, came back, played, gutsy performance. I think they're going to be just fine. And to be honest with you, I think the way they won that game might actually help them going forward. Press the reset button, get recalibrated to understand that you can't take anybody lightly. Every week, you got to play to your own standard. And of course, this week, no uh, juice, extra juice needed. Florida State and Clemson in right. Death Valley in that contest. We'll see Jordan Travis if he's 100% when they play there. We'll jump into Alabama struggles, an unbelievable game uh, for Colorado, Colorado State, and what Shadour Sanders <laughs> did. Georgia, the big win for Florida, all of that over the next 60 minutes. As always, Monday Morning Live brought to you by mybookie.ag, mybookie.ag. Listen, Aaron Rodgers' season is officially over, but yours has just begun in my bookie. NFL, college ball, and of course, the brand new cash out system gives you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and place another bet, or let it ride for the chance to win the bigger payday there. You can join everyone at my bookie for the entire season filled with daily odds boost, same game, same game parlays, and huge prize pool contests. Right now, my bookie has a no strings attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Use the promo code next round on your deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly credited to your MyBookie account. That's promo code next round to claim your own cash bonus right now. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie.ag. Lugs, let's go Alabama first because of where we're geographically located for this show. And there was no Jalen Milrow. For whatever reason, we'll probably learn more about that as it goes on. But no Milrow. So you go Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson. Buckner, 5 of 14, 34 yards, five scoreless drives in that contest. You turn it over to Ty Simpson, 5 of 9, 73 yards. But there were five sacks uh, from Ty Simpson there in that game. Is it quarterback? Is it offensive line? Diagnose Alabama's offensive woes going into this showdown with Ole Miss. Well, I, I think it's a combination of both. Uh, and it's not just about the sacks. It's missed assignments. It's improper angles. It's not being able to recognize fronts and identify and, and count up who's responsible for who. So there's plenty of blame to go around. Uh, I think a lot of it's more mental errors and um, and just a lack of execution up front. Uh, you know, they are young on the left side. Caden Proctor is a true freshman. Tyler Booker is a true sophomore. Really good athletes, really good players. Um, I think you combine that with uh, below average quarterback play to this point, and and you've got yourself a bit of an offensive disaster. I, I, I've. And I said this to you last week. I thought Alabama would play lights out, and I really believe that. And I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm really surprised that they didn't come out and not only play Jalen Milrow first. I'm not saying you don't play anybody else, but I was surprised they didn't come out and play Jalen Milrow to reestablish his confidence and steer the game plan back into what his game is and what his strengths are, and that is – moving the pocket, uh, play-action pass, quarterback run, all of those sorts of things that we didn't see versus Texas that I fully expected to see and that I think you have to do with a guy like him. Tyler Buckner, I, I was astounded 
at how inaccurate and how out of sync he was. He looked like he hadn't practiced at times. And so that clearly wasn't the answer. Ty Simpson gives him a little bit of a juice, juice, but he's got to have the clock in his head go off. You can't have five sacks. That's so, so the quarterback position is about protecting yourself as well. It's not just the offensive front and everybody doing their job up there. You've got to know where to go with the ball. You've got to know where you're vulnerable. And sometimes you just got to get the ball out of your hand and live to play the next down. Um, it's, it's, it's concerning. And, you know, they ran the football fairly effectively. I think Roydo Williams had a, had a nice day on the ground, whether or not was standing, but that affects both teams. Alabama gave up some yardage on the ground. I thought was was a bit surprising. And so just flat and sluggish, um, they almost look like they're second guessing themselves. Like they don't they don't have much confidence. Um, and right now I, I, I can see why, but it just it sticks out to me, Jim, because that's not normally what we see from an Alabama football team. Oh, 100% Lugs. I, as I watched that contest, I thought to myself, zero swagger. Uh, yep. and, uh, I guess it, is it Chris Button? I, I want to get the name right. She was the reporter on the sidelines. Button is, is, you know, if some reporters had said this, I would not put a lot of credence into it, but I know she's been on a lot of sidelines and she knows what she's doing. She said th- there was no, um, conversations, no, uh, leaderships, not a lot of noise on the Alabama sidelines. There wasn't a lot of juice of people trying to get people going. Those, I think, are words that are concerning to Alabama. And oh, here comes Lane Kiffin, who even said in the offseason one of his biggest disappointments so far is that he's yet to beat Nick Saban. Uh, it, you know, everyone says this is his best opportunity coming in. What does Ole Miss do that's going to be a problem for Alabama if they can't score points? Well, they've got a red hot quarterback right now, and I think they're going to get Trey Harris back, which was huge. He got injured in the game against Tulane that I had two weeks ago, uh, a, a game where Tulane got the best of Ole Miss. And quite honestly, had they had their starting quarterback, probably would have beat Ole Miss. And they beat him up up front, which was really surprising. I thought Ole Miss rebounded this week versus Georgia Tech. Jackson Dart looked fantastic. He was uber efficient in the passing game, but he was a killer in the run game, too. He was uh, Quinshawn Judkins has not been able to get rolling yet, but Jackson Dart's kind of picked up the slack there. They've got a lot of weapons. They're going to go fast as, as can be. This is not a good matchup if it turns into a track meet because from what we've seen so far from Alabama, they're not going to be able to keep pace because they're not effective at the quarterback spot and they've been struggling up front. And if Ole Miss gets ahead of them and it gets a two-score type of deal, you start to question, all right, how would Alabama crawl back into this thing, particularly if they're struggling in the passing game to create explosive plays, to push the ball downfield, that's where Ole Miss is really strong. Ole Miss can create explosive plays. Right now they're running the football with the quarterback. You'd like to be able to say they're running the football with Quinchon Judkins, but that hasn't happened as of yet. I think that's a little bit concerning. Um, but it's it's right now on paper. It's not a good matchup for Alabama. Uh, into our uh, chat room here, we appreciate all of you being up on our video platforms. And remember, audio platforms as well. If you're jumping in the car or heading to take kids to school or driving into work, always with your car play, tune in radio. But also, you get us on the Next Round app. Easy to download at your Apple devices there. Or you can just play that YouTube on the side as you ride down the road. Remember, thumbs up and subscribe on all of our platforms. Our uh, chat room this morning being 
brought to you in part by our friends at Gutter Cap, a patented aluminum cover system that fits over most existing gutters to keep debris out and eliminate gutter cleaning, backed with a lifetime warranty. Almost 20 years of service recorded right here in Birmingham. Stay off that dangerous ladder forever now. 45% off the retail price. GutterCapBirmingham.com. GutterCapBirmingham.com. You call our good friend Chris Stewart as well. 205-823-2212. GutterCapBirmingham.com. LT's neighbor said, uh, felt like that 2014 Arkansas game uh, to him offensively where Alabama struggled. I believe that was on the road in Fayetteville mm-hmm. and I believe Amari Cooper had a couple of big catches felt like it was a 14-7 game just off the top of my head here for me Luke's it felt like uh insert Shula uh DeBose some of the bad era before Nick Saban got there that did not look anything like a Nick Saban uh, Alabama football team even if you go back to 2007 I know they lost to Lama Monroe back then but this this didn't even look like that yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. There's no juice. There's no swagger. There didn't. But to me, that's you can use all those adjectives, and essentially, what it is is lack of confidence, right? There's everybody's kind of looking around, waiting for somebody to make the play, or waiting for something to to spark, and then everything takes care of itself, and it just it hasn't happened yet. And um, I do, I I think they they do need to go back to Jalen Milrow. Um, just because he gives them that athletic dynamic that the other guys maybe do not. But at the same time, I say that, are they going to take the offense and build it around those traits of his? Because we haven't seen that so far. And, um, and uh, you know, as we've seen Ty Simpsons, we've seen Tyler Buckner. I think that'll be the last time we see Tyler Buckner, um, unless something happens injury-wise. At some point, does this get down to Dylan Lonergan, who is a true freshman, highly touted, very, very talented, um, obviously hasn't played, but there's going to, if you don't, if, if there's a lack of answers at some point, you're going to start turning to, to other options. And if, even if those options are younger, but they're talented, maybe you give that a shot. Uh, it's, it's an old thing around here back before Saban got to Tuscaloosa, the most popular guy in the state of Alabama was the backup quarterback. I, I never thought we'd get to a place where the most popular guy in the state of Alabama is the fourth string quarterback, but that's that's where we are on this Monday. Welcome into Monday Morning Live. He's Tom Luganville of ESPN. You see him every Saturday, and you hear him everywhere. Uh, Brett, who's one of the great American truck drivers, says Proctor needs to sit a few games and learn. He's speaking of Caden Proctor, um, yeah. who is, is is better at run blocking than he is pass blocking. He, he's giving up a lot of uh, – Olays on the left side of the line. Uh, that's got to impact you as a former quarterback, knowing that you can't trust your left tackle there on the blind side. Uh, I've always thought, Luke, that the toughest transition from high school to college to play as a true freshman would be offensive line and specifically left tackle. You you evaluate these guys. He He's as good of a recruit as you can have, but he does look out of place. Yeah, he looks out of place because at the high, it is a, I would agree with you. The transition is steep and it is difficult and it can be daunting. And there are very few people that do it well early. And oftentimes what you try to do is put that player on the inside or you put that player on the right side if you can. And that's not the position Alabama is in right now. Freshman offensive tackles are always going to be ahead of the curve in the run game versus the, the pass game. Think about it. You, you know, your average normal 
run-of-the-mill high school player that's not a high-profile recruit is essentially who they're playing against every single week. You know, they're not playing against Jadavion Clowney in high school. They're playing against a six-foot-one, 210-pound defensive end that may be a good high school player. Well, imagine what uh, uh, Caden Proctor does to a player like that week in and week out. And then you line him up, and now it's the big boys. I mean, that is a huge, huge adjustment. And he'll get better. Um, but right now, if you're if you're going to suggest that you sit him, you're having to weigh the option, okay, is, is our number two or our number three a worse option than letting him take his lumps and work his way through this thing? That's a coaching decision, obviously, and they feel that Caden Proctor gives them the best chance. All right, we'll uh, circle back to Alabama Ole Miss, setting that up a little bit later on. But let's move now to some other big games in the country. Um, let's go next to the game everyone was talking about uh, early Sunday morning as everyone went to bed, and that was Colorado rallying to beat Colorado State. They rushed the field as a 24-point favorite, but, you know, why not celebrate with everything going on at Colorado? I, I jotted some notes down. Uh, Little Wayne uh, sang them onto the field, walking out with the team, singing live on a microphone. Uh, in 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 the there for the weekend, you had first take college game day, big noon kickoff, and freaking sixty minutes were all there for the weekend. <laughs> uh, Colorado State had this game won, it looked like, and then Shador Sanders yeah. drives them ninety eight yards. And they get the touchdown, the game-tying two-point conversion, and they win it in overtime. You almost can't script it better than that with all the bad blood between those two coaches going into that game. It was just it, – it was nuts to watch that to watch that thing. And Shador Sanders, I mean, he's, he's the answer right now. I mean, the, the roster is about really four to five really good players, right? Weaver, Horn, Travis Hunter, Dylan Edwards, Shador Sanders. That's it. Those those are the guys. Now, we talked about this three weeks ago. What happens when an injury occurs? And what happens when it's the wrong guy? Well, it's just happened. So with Travis Hunter going down, doesn't just affect you on offense in the kicking game, takes your best corner off the field of a defense that has not been a good uh, a good football team. So um, how does that impact you now that you get down into the, the teeth of of the the Pac-12. Listen, Colorado State had 17 penalties, turned the ball over four times, and probably should have won the game. And Shador Sanders is the difference. And uh, he's got ice water in his veins. You got to give him all the credit in the world. That team is resilient. They find ways to 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 pull things out and and make it happen. It's it's been remarkable to see. And now now it gets really real for them because. The quarterback on the other sideline going forward in just about every contest they're going to play is a dude, right? That hasn't happened the first three weeks. Now, that guy at Colorado State played his tail off. Um, and then defensively, you're going to be playing uh, some really, really good teams that are better than the first three that they've played. So we're going to find out a lot more now than we know to this point. What we know to this point is that they've exceeded expectation. They have some quality playmakers. Quarterbacks a first round draft choice, and they've lit the college football world on fire. On fire, and and I'll say this: it's the short term is what everybody's focusing on right now. But what Dion is soaking in right now is what this is doing, lighting the fuse for 2024, mm-hmm. 2025 in recruiting, name, image, and likeness, 
the transfer portal, all of this, the bigger picture here is going to have a much bigger impact in a positive manner than what we've just seen in this first three weeks. This is just the beginning for what their big overall blueprint is going forward. Because here's what's going to happen, Jim. And I go back to my poorly phrased comments prior to the season on your show. Yes. Um, <laughs> my fault. No, it's not your fault. I said it. My words. Um, when I was referencing their roster, I was referencing their depth. I should have said may have the worst depth, which I believe to be a very fair statement because when Travis Hunter goes off the field, the drop-off between Travis Hunter and the night and the next guy is could be a night and day type of scenario. Like you don't replace that. If we're talking about this roster two years from now, now the depth conversation is an entirely different conversation. And especially if they can build it on defense. Right now, they don't have it. And so I think that's what the exciting thing is. If you're a Colorado fan and you're Deion Sanders, you're that staff, you're looking at what this has created for the bigger picture down the road. Yeah, I I was telling a friend of mine on the golf course yesterday, it will not surprise me to see at least one big name player leave an Alabama, leave a Georgia leave you know an LSU or something like from the SEC good SEC programs to see some blue chip guys leave these programs to go to Colorado that's the kind of portal I think he'll have in the offseason well it's going to happen at the high school ranks too you watch there's going to be a kid out of Georgia a kid out of Florida kid out of Southern California kid out of the Dallas area that's recruited by everybody that six months ago would not have considered Colorado that will sign with Colorado. You mark it down. Yeah, I don't know if I would use high school recruiting if I was Dion. I think I would save that money and just let – I'd just pick an all-star team of portal players. But, portal players. But what you have to do, though, I, I, I see your perspective there, but when you do that, you better do it with guys that have two to three years of eligibility left, not one, not two, because you will build no substantial foundation of depth long-term, which – I, I personally think I think he wants to get to the point where they're recruiting elite level players at at the high school level and they're signing a lot of them and then they complement that foundation with high end transfer portal guys and and blend it together. I think ultimately that would be the goal going forward because at the high school level they're going to change the game uh, and and I think going to the Big Twelve really, really entrenches them in the state of Texas. Yeah, listen now, I, I, we got a ton of other stuff to get to in this hour and one more big game to look at here in this segment before we take our only break. But I want to remind you, if you're waking up today, you can wake up with the next round coffee, our own blend that Scott Forrester worked so hard on. Uh, we partnered with our friends at Who Is Coffee to create that next round blend. Available in light, medium, and dark roast. Medium's my favorite. 100% Arabica beans. Uh, specialty coffee roasted on demand. Available in whole beans or ground or the drip pods as well. Just go to our store, nextround.store, nextround.store, and get the next round coffee. Luke's? 
How do you get your own coffee, bro? I mean, like, yeah. what, what is this? Rocket fuel? Is next round coffee? What's? Give me some ingredients. Give me something that makes it unique. Well, we did. I, I don't know how we did it, but I was part of some of the tastings that went on when Who Is Coffee uh, came up here. You can check them out. WhoIsCoffee.com. They have the best beans. Love it. They would bring us up. You know, okay, here's this, 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 this blend, and we'd tell them what we'd like about this one. So they'd come back two weeks later and said, "All right, we've taken what you said on the last one. We manipulated this, 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 and this." And after three or four times the coffee drinkers up here mostly forrester came up with the next round blend it's unbelievable my you, wife who's a you're coffee practically snob, colombian yeah we we are we do pay taxes in south america now <laughs> it works out good for us uh one other game before we take our first break i want to get to and we'll we'll talk about uh georgia and where you are in georgia and all the other big games coming up this weekend what we saw from week three going into week four but but a big win for billy napier in florida their improvement yeah. from what they showed in Salt Lake City against Utah and to what they showed in the swamp in Gainesville was really, really impressive. And Trav and, and not Travis, is it Travis Etienne or Trevor? One of the Etienne. Trevor. Trevor. Trevor Etienne. Uh, had an unbelievable game rushing the football, but I thought Graham yeah. Mertz looked good. The defense looked better. Uh, they, they didn't make the dumb mistakes coaching-wise that they made at Utah. Big improvement, so good win for Florida. And then where are we on Tennessee and Tennessee's offense after what you saw with the Gators beating the Vols? Well, let's, let's start with Florida because I think it's really important to note that, that Billy Napier obviously has this team, right? This team is buying in. They're sticking with the plan. Um, They got things cleaned up. What I was so impressive with is I think they've got a really, really good process within their running game. They're not a dominant team in the offensive line, so what do they do? It's a lot of eye candy. Backs crossing in the backfield, jet motion going across, a lot of things that can get defenders one step out of their gap because their eyes are taking them somewhere they shouldn't go. So they create run opportunities with some of their counter action. And again, the backfield action gets, it just kind of gets you to the point where you, you got to stick to your keys. And if you don't, they could gash you. Graham Mertz, super efficient, didn't have to be a superhero, just took what the defense gave him. And I think what we're seeing from Tennessee is they don't have the weapons, particularly downfield that they had each of the last two years. And quite honestly, this is what Joe Milton is. I'm sorry. I understand that the, that he can throw the ball 80 yards. I don't care. Like to to me, this is what we saw at Michigan. This is what we saw before he got pulled as a starter uh, two years ago in Josh Heupel's first year. You're gonna get bad with the good, and the good can look really, really good, and the bad can look really bad, and somewhere in the middle is kind of where he falls consistently. So. I think that's going to be a bit problematic for them as as they get into the meat of their schedule because I don't think they have consistency in the passing game the way they had it um, versus – or excuse me, with Hendon Hooker. And the other thing is that was a Tennessee defensive front, and I understand the schedule wasn't very good, but that was a Tennessee defensive front that was causing a lot of problems. But if you go back to look at Tennessee and peel back the layers and you watched that Austin P game, you could see there – that there were some there were some cracks in the foundation and it manifested itself on the road in the swamp. That was a that was a struggle for Tennessee to get out of the game w- with Austin P. So uh, I think they got a lot of work to do. And let's just see if, if if Florida can can turn this into something. Just keep stacking better performances on better performances and maybe sneak out a couple of wins. Uh, Tennessee gets uh, 
Um, so far, unimpressive UTSA. We thought this was going to be a big game in Knoxville this week. Um, and I will tell you, it's a non-conference game. Um, but in the conference, since they got that game-changing or program-changing win over Alabama last year, since beating Alabama, Josh Heupel in Tennessee now 3-3 three and three in SEC games since that win. 3-3 three and three in SEC games. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah. interesting to see where Tennessee moves going forward. And if it's Nico Amalieva or if it's Joe Milton, they too may have quarterback questions uh, coming up. But a good win for Billy Napier. Boy, he needed it down there in Florida. And what a great atmosphere yeah. there. A couple of two-minute drills as, as we head to break here. Um, Tripp says, Jay Norvell not going for it late on fourth down was criminal. You cannot give the ball back to Colorado there. What was it, fourth and two on like the 38, somewhere around there? Would you have gone for it? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're on the road. You're, you're a group of five program that has struggled in the, in the week one, you know, giving up 50 to Washington state. You go on attack mode, man. You, you, you actually, I, I had it in my game with Florida state and Boston college. Jeff Hafley, you got to give it to him, man. I mean, he did everything he could to put his team in position outside of the penalties and he went for it on fourth and two, fourth and four, fourth and three. They were unbelievable on fourth down. I just think that when you're in that type of scenario, you're playing to win. You probably didn't expect to be in that position that late in the game. you got to go for it right there. Yep. And then they make the great punt that goes out at the two. So then I'm like, well, I was emotional. I was screaming, go for it, go for it. And then the great punt happens. And I was like, ah, that's why he's the coach. And, and they I'm go 98. Not. Yeah. And then they go 98. And then you get to overtime <laughs> and you got a chance to go for two. And walk it off or lose in overtime by not making two and being aggressive and he doesn't go for it there. I would have been second-guessing myself a lot. One more, Joe, as we go to break here. I'd be happy if I never saw Tyler Buckner take another snap for Alabama, put Milrow back in. He's the only one who can hide how bad the offensive line is. He's just better. That from Joe. More on the other side, including Georgia, where Lugs is with Georgia after they come back with a great second half to beat South Carolina and all the other games that we saw in Week 3 and looking ahead to a magical week four the monday morning live show is always brought to you by our friends at my bookie mybookie.ag we're back in a second grab another cup of coffee the next round golf court is here your chance to play four area golf courses for just 89 dollars. get 18 holes of golf and cart at limestone spring cross creek the meadows and the newly renovated woodward golf club that's a value of 247 dollars for just 89 dollars. or get the next round deluxe golf cart for just 119 dollars. it gets you all four courses with cart plus an exclusive next round golf t-shirt koozie golf tees and a sticker there are no restrictions the cart is good through september 2024 get your golf cart now at nextround.store Hey, Lance Taylor from the next round to tell you about our friends at Gutter Cap. Gutter Cap's that patented aluminum cover system that fits over most existing gutters to keep out debris and eliminate that gutter cleaning. It's back with a lifetime warranty, almost 20-year service record right here in Birmingham. Stay off that dangerous ladder forever. 45% off the retail price now if you call guttercapbirmingham.com. Call my good friend Chris Stewart now, 205-823-2212. Cap it, don't snap it, it's Gutter Cap. The next round brought to you by the biggest and baddest track in NASCAR, the Talladega Super Speedway. The Yellowwood 500 NASCAR Playoffs weekend is coming up. You don't want to miss it. The action kicks off Saturday, September 30th with the Craftsman Truck Series Playoffs race all leading up to the NASCAR Cup Series Playoffs on Sunday, October the 1st. Be there to see these drivers battle for 500 miles to survive and advance to the next round of the playoffs. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com. Again, that is talladegasuperspeedway.com. 
Hey, Lance Taylor from the next round to tell you about one of our favorite places for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That is Hamburger Heaven since 1982. Hamburger Heaven has been serving Birmingham's best hamburgers, cheeseburgers, french fries, hand-spun milkshakes, and sandwiches made fresh to order. All of their ingredients are fresh and prepared daily. This includes their beef, always fresh, never frozen, hand-pattied each and every day. For breakfast, lunch, or dinner, visit any of the four locations, Highway 280, Irondale, Gardendale, and Homewood. The next round golf cart is here. Your chance to play four area golf courses for just $89. Get 18 holes in cart at Limestone Springs, Cross Creek, the Meadows, and the newly renovated Woodward Golf Club. A $247 value for just $89. Get your golf cart now at nextround.store. The Next Round Store is live and loaded. Check out the latest logo t-shirts and hoodies. Get your favorite team colors. The Next Round flag shirt or grab the popular Y'all Can Have the Rest t-shirts. Go to nextround.store. That's nextround.store. Follow Next Round Live on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. The social media team at Next Round Live will share the latest interviews and videos from UAB, Alabama, Auburn, and campuses all over the college landscape. You'll also get the latest highlights and news from the Next Round Live daily show. Jim, Lance, and Ryan will share their thoughts. And remember, you can always see the old shows on the Next Round Live YouTube channel. Subscribe, like, and don't forget to comment. Turn on the notifications so you don't miss a thing. It's Next Round Live on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Back on Monday Morning Live, brought to you by our friends at MyBookie, MyBookie.ag. Jump in right now. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.ag. Congratulations to friend of the show, Matt Rule, on his first win in Nebraska. They beat NIU over the weekend. Uh, Some concerns for Michigan, maybe with Rutgers coming to town, they're three and zero. Rutgers is after their win over Virginia Tech. JJ McCarthy, three interceptions, just boredom for Michigan, or is there some concerns as they go into this Rutgers game? I, I think it's a it's a little dose of boredom, to be honest with you. Um, I don't like to see the sloppy play from a turnover perspective from from Michigan. That's uncharacteristic of kind of their winning football formula. They'll be ready to play when 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 it comes time. And I and listen, they got a lot of distractions going on. I do think Rutgers is is really improved. Rutgers is a pretty good football team on defense. I think that's what's going to be interesting. If if Michigan doesn't come to play on defense against you know, and and Rutgers is able to force some three and outs or maybe force some more turnovers, then Michigan's defense is going to really have to you know step up in this one. But I I want to I want to wait and see how these teams start stacking up against Penn state and, you know, Ohio state. And, you know, what do we, what do we make? Like, I don't, I don't know what to make of that conference top to bottom. Everybody's, you know, kind of ripping on the sec right now and the struggles of the sec. Well, it's not exactly like the big 10 has been lighting the world on fire. I mean, Minnesota just went down and, and, and got handled by, by North Carolina I think Penn State's really good. I think Michigan's really good. I think Ohio State's got a chance to be really good. They showed a lot of improvement this last week. Big one this week in Notre Dame coming up. But the rest of that league has just kind of been, man, I mean, Washington State dismantles Wisconsin. Purdue is, is has taken a big drop. Uh, Northwestern is what Northwestern is right now. Illinois clearly not sneaking up on anybody. Gets handled by Penn State at home. So let, let's wait and see what happens when they actually start playing each other. JJ says, had Michigan not had 
of that game last week, then I would agree, upset watch. But with them playing the way they played last week and with Harbaugh coming back, he's not worried about Rutgers in the contest this week. Ohio State at Notre Dame is maybe the biggest game in the country. 6.30 on NBC this week. Sam Hartman there against Kyle McCord. Both those guys had good outings this past weekend. McCord, now it's his job. He looked confident. We'll uh, talk more about that game coming up in a second. Where are you headed this week, by the way? What game do you have? I've got Texas at Baylor, ABC primetime, oh, wow. Saturday night. Yeah, Texas. Yeah, so. 10 uh, 10 in that oof. one with Wyoming, and then they sort of blow it out at the end. Um, is that normal in the, in the come back to earth game or a little worried there at Texas? Well, that, that's, that's the problem, right? Is you sit there and, and they, and they play the way they play against Alabama and they go, and I just got through the first half of that game. I haven't finished it yet on the coaches tape yesterday, but like Quinn Ewers, was living in bizarro land. Like, it wasn't even the same guy that we saw against Alabama. And this is what worries me because you have to ask the question, do you trust them? Can you trust them to take that next step? To not do – now, well, first of all, let me say that Wyoming's a scrappy team now. Right. Not Wyoming football teams, and they're well coached. Um, and you credit the, te- the defense for Texas because after the 62-yard run they gave up, they shut down Wyoming, but it got into the middle of the fourth quarter before you're sitting there going, all right, Texas has this in hand. And, and it was Wyoming playing well, but really Texas just looked out of sorts. And I don't, I don't know what it is about the program that has such a hard time dealing with success. And that's the one thing Sark cannot let that jump up and bite them. They've got too good of an opportunity too good of a football team. And so now you go on the road and you take on a Baylor team that's kind of been reeling. They've lost their starting quarterback. It's a really tough place to play. Really cool stadium. You're playing at night, prime time. They're a stingy group on, on defense. Um, and they got upset by Texas State in week one. And their only win right now is versus Long Island this past weekend. So there's some intrigue in this one. We're, when we saw this on the schedule and, and got it assigned, we were like, ah, oh, that's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, so that's where Lug is, Lugs is headed this weekend. Auburn goes on the road this weekend, also in the state of Texas, to take on Texas A&M. Uh, the straight out of game day, 11 a.m., uh, my takeaway from Auburn this past week against Sanford, who's a really good FCS team, Final Four team last year yeah. with a really good quarterback in Michael Hires. Peyton Thorne, uh, it looked like uh, Hugh Free sort of dialed in on how he's going to play the quarterbacks. Peyton Thorne was out there most of the time. He looked a lot quicker in his decision-making. The kid can run, uh, so I thought that yeah. was a, ste- a step forward. And And I'm still waiting for this Auburn running game. Uh, to look look right because Jarquez Hunter still looks like he's a little rusty after his suspension like he's not at at full gear yet he's not and I think they want to be careful and sure that it's not a heavy dose of Peyton Thorne as their leading rusher each and every week that because you could go down you know um uh and and I still think you'll see them develop uh Robbie Red Zone whatever you want to call it (laughs) Um, with, with some of the, the run game package there, keep people off balance. But yeah, I, I was, I was pleased to see the progress made because a week ago and, and to Hugh Freeze's comments, you know, you're going to play offense like that. You're not going to win many football games. And so got back on track, got a little bit better. I think with Auburn, this is what we, what we need to expect and approach every game with is can they just kind of keep getting better, find new ways, have new guys develop. 
uh, come up with different answers each and every week because it's not probably not going to be easy and they may not have a ton of advantages with this current roster. If you continue to see that, I, I do think the quarterback play will continue to improve because the quarterback play under Hugh Freeze has always been really, really strong. They get competent quarterback play that doesn't get you beat. And so if you can consistently have that, then you're going to be in a lot of football games. Now, this team they're playing against, if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, they can score. Texas A&M has weapons, and they got them everywhere, and I think that quarterback is a dude. I think Connor Wigman is really, really good. So we kind of had the conversation, Jim, about what happens if Ole Miss gets Alabama in a track meet. Well, what happens if Texas A&M gets Auburn in one two? And are they equipped for that? Yeah, I, I would tell you, just looking at that game uh, from a from a Goodyear blimp view, um, can Auburn's yeah. defensive line in front seven get any pressure on Wegman with that big Texas A&M offensive line? That's, I mean, in years past, I mean, you go all the way back to Pat Dye's time. You know, you just count on Auburn having some mean, nasty defensive right. linemen. I want to see what this group does this week in College Station. Georgia slow start again offensively, down fourteen three at the half. They outscore the best two loss team in America, South Carolina, now um, with with twenty one nothing in the second half. But something just doesn't feel right about Georgia yet. Is that just the way Kirby Smart simmers his team into the season, or are you worried about Carson Beck and that Georgia team at this point? Is it a Mike Bobo problem? That's the thing I get a lot. People keep saying, why do people keep hiring Mike Bobo? What do you think of Bobo as an OC and and, and back at Georgia again? I think most OCs are really, really good when they got really, really good players. When they don't, (laughs) they're not very good. I mean, that's the, the bottom line. And, um, and that's true just about everywhere. The one thing we got, we do need to recognize is, you know, I know he's an upperclassman, but Carson Beck hasn't played a lot of football. We're, this isn't that much different than playing a redshirt sophomore, a redshirt freshman. If they haven't played, they haven't played. Okay. I think he'll get better and better and better. Uh, is he dynamic? Probably not. Um, is he, more than uh, competent to be an effective player week in and week out? Yes. Listen, I mean, the way I look at that game, South Carolina had 11 penalties. Georgia had five. All right. Georgia did not turn the ball over. And it's a four-quarter game. I like the way Georgia won that game because Kirby Smart had to look his team in the eye in the, in the locker room and say, who are you? What are you made of? What are you going to do when you come out of this uh, out of this locker room? We are at home conference game against a rival, what are you going to do? And I thought his team responded with maturity. I thought they responded by getting off to a hot start in the third quarter. So the way this this game was won, and we're, we're making so much of the schedule, Jim, that I think it starts to – it seeps into every little uh, level of scrutiny that people want to have towards Georgia. Well, they, you know, they, they don't play, but they don't play – they're playing somebody every week, right? They're they're taking the field and they have to out-execute and outplay somebody every week. Yes, may they be the best team? Yeah, probably. But you still got to go out and play the game. And maybe things aren't going to go your way. Maybe it's not going to be off to a fast start. Maybe six weeks from now we're having an entirely different conversation and we're looking at an offensive football team that's come into their own. Getting Dejon Edwards back. Huge. Huge for this offense. You saw that in the second half. So I, I like to sit back and just – let this thing play out a little bit. Once we get from, we get this month out of the way and we're having conversations like this in week nine, 
there are going to be so many more definitives that we can count on week in and week out that we don't necessarily have right now. Yeah, one thing you can always count on our friends at Blakely's Bouquets. I'll tell you more about them in a second. Keep in mind, uh, UAB visiting Georgia this weekend before Georgia eventually heads to Jordan-Hare Stadium for that big showdown with Auburn. Uh, for any occasion, you can order online, blakelysbouquets.com, blakelysbouquets.com, or over the phone, 205-579-4900, 579-4900, or in person at the full-service flower shop on Oxmoor Road there in Home it's Blakely's bouquets for any occasion great folks right there they love Monday morning live and they love college football Blakely's bouquets uh, com. all right so let's uh let's start turning our attention looking ahead we'll we'll use last week to sort of jump into these big games uh this week and the biggest in the country is Ohio State in Notre Dame 630 on NBC so I look at that game Ohio State it's a rare trip to South Bend these two great programs just haven't played each other a ton in the regular season um and and this seems like a coin flip game to me how does this look to you yeah, I think it is. And I, and I think if you're an Ohio State fan, you've got to be really pleased from week one to right now with what Kyle McCord has settled in at the quarterback position. That second quarter this past week, I know it was Western Kentucky, but they looked hot. They looked explosive, um, connected on explosive plays. Um, obviously, they can run the football and they're starting to kind of I think, I think Kyle McCourt's confidence is starting to really elevate, which is huge because you're going to go on the road and you're going to take on a Notre Dame team that outside of this, I think there's been some common themes across college football the first, uh, you know, few weeks of the season. And one of them has been penalties have been ridiculously bad. We have seen a lot of good teams heavily penalized. We're seeing it week in and week out. And, that's the one thing that Notre Dame has avoided. They had they were heavily penalized last week, but for for the most part, they have been the cleaner, better performing, better executing team. And the areas where they are strong are the areas of championship level football. They can play in the box in their front seven and stop the run. They can line up and run the ball down your throat, and their play action game is dangerous. The quarterback is so effective and efficient in in his mode of operation that you get to a point where you just feel like he's so in command and nobody's been able to get him off of his mark yet. And I think that's what's going to, that's going to be something interesting to me. Can Ohio state disrupt Sam Hartman? Because nobody's been able to really do that yet. He's so good navigating the pocket. He's so good getting the ball out of his hands. It's hard to rush him. It's hard to get to him. That Notre Dame offensive line versus that defensive front and front seven for Ohio State, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that thing match up. 71% completion rate, zero interception so far for Sam, yeah. Sam Hartman. Uh, another big game is Florida State and Clemson. Aaron writes in, he's a Miami guy. He says, uh, I'm a Miami fan, and it was reported that Bama tried to get Miami's Tyler Van Dyke to transfer to Bama. Now you know why Bama wanted TBD. However, right now Miami has a better offensive line, wide receiver, and running back than Alabama does. Um, really can't argue with that, the way Miami's played so far. Uh, this Florida State-Clemson game, Miami's on the road to Temple, but this Florida State-Clemson game, I thought it was going to be the first of two. But now all of a sudden, I think Miami could be around at the end to be a problem for Florida State and Clemson, a contender for the ACC. Is that too early to say that about Miami? 
not based off of results so far. I mean, this is an entirely different football team than the one we saw a year ago. If that team would have gotten down 10 nothing or 17-7 a year ago like they did last week to Texas A&M, they would have taken their ball and gone home. That team did not have the mental fortitude or the toughness or the competitiveness to, to hang in there and continue to battle and continue to play. He's completely shifted this locker room, the coaching staff. Um, it, it's it's a, an entirely different mentality there with this Miami team. They're confident. They're playing fast. Quarterbacks lights out. Uh, I thought he made really, really good hires. Shannon Dawson's been a really good hire to get back to playing fast, letting Tyler Van Dyke just rip it. I thought that Josh Gaddis just tried to structure everything. It was way too complicated trying to, you know, maybe just do too much. Tyler Van Dyke, man, just let him go and play fast. I think Miami's for real. I really do. Um, obviously, you know, you got to stay healthy and you can't have, you know, a terrible, you know, unfortunate thing happen to the quarterback if you want to, you know, be competitive down the stretch. But I do think they're a problem in the ACC. I think North Carolina is still going to be a team that's lingering around in, in, in the ACC because they can score and they're improved on defense. We still don't know on Clemson because offensively they, they still have some problems that they've got to iron out. Um, self-inflicted wounds, can't create explosive plays, don't have many weapons on the perimeter. Uh, that's concerning about Clemson. And I think Florida State will get back on track this week. Uh, obviously, they're, they're going to have the uh, – Clemson's going to have their attention. There's no doubt about that. And how they won last week against Boston College and doing it on the road, getting past it, realizing it wasn't their best game and pressing the reset button, I think Florida State will be just fine. Uh, Keon Coleman was very quiet at Boston College, but uh, you look at him and his matchup with this Clemson secondary, Ooh, I I don't know if the Clemson secondary can hold up against these Florida State receivers. Well, it's it's him. Johnny Wilson got back on track after playing poorly against Southern Miss. He played really well against Boston College. And then Jaheim Bell, the South Carolina transfer, he comes in. He's kind of their Swiss Army knight. He looks, he looks like Bo Scarborough, but he's playing H-back. And sometimes he's playing wide receiver. And sometimes he's playing in the, in the backfield as a fullback. He's really, really impressive. That's the one thing I'll, I'll say about the job Mike Norvell has done there. They have not missed on their transfer portal, guys. Whether it's been Jared Verse, whether it's been Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, Trey Benson, almost all of their star players that are significant contributors – have been huge hits out of the transfer portal. They've done a great job in that regard. All right. Um, the show being brought to you by our friends at Way to Wellness. Uh, we start the uh, the pairing down of the Pac-12 this weekend. Colorado and Oregon, UCLA, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State, all top 25 matchups, all Woo! Pac-12 games. That's a great slate. If you want to start pairing down you on the scale, you can do it with our friends at Way to Wellness. Uh, Jumpstart that weight loss. It's real easy to do. Just go to this website, uh, plan for me.com a plan for me.com no cookie cutter plan everything's designed for you the program is overseen by board certified professionals there's no contract there's no sign up fee and you get a free consultation because you watch us here on monday morning live leslie and her board certified team way to wellness your journey to healthy living that website again a plan for me.com a plan for me.com that's a great slate in the pack 12 and you look oh. at, you look at that schedule all year long you're going to get the round robin of these teams a lot how how much have we talked about this the last three weeks when that schedule starts like so do you remember tcu last year when they basically won every single game they played either on the last possession or on the last play of the game right? yes yes 
if you're going to come out unscathed in that league, that's what you're going to have to do. I don't know. I don't know. Aside from Oregon State and Utah, maybe UCLA to some degree. But I don't know if there's anybody that has the defensive personnel to get off the field multiple times during the, during the game. SC doesn't. Um, I don't think Washington does. Washington, I think, is, is competent and competitive on defense. Oregon might. But we could be looking at games in that, in that league where we're going. It's, it's 43-39 with a minute 30 to go. And both teams still have three timeouts. And the last minute 30 takes a half an hour, right? And and they just keep score. I mean, we can see that every single week with all these matchups. Which, to me, I cannot wait to watch the, the Pac-12 unfold and see if somebody somehow can come out of there undefeated or come out of there with one loss. That, could, that league could be so good and have a two-loss champion and not make – a college football playoff, which would be a shame. But listen, that's that's the state of the quarterback play and why that makes that league so special. Yeah, so good. Ole Miss in Alabama at Brian Denny Stadium. Uh, the betting line opened at 11, minus 11. I don't know where it is at this hour at mybookie.ag. They bring you to the show. I'll check as you talk. But um, Ole Miss in Alabama, uh, everyone seems to think Alabama is headed for disaster this weekend, that they're going to uh, get exposed by Lane Kiffin again, who calls plays a lot like Sark does, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cut from the same cloth, you know, the old Norm Chow, uh, the old BYU and SC days. Um, I think Ole Miss or Alabama will have Ole Miss and Ole Miss's attention in a way that South Florida did not. Right. And I think that was a bit disappointing for Nick Saban and the staff, because one of the things that Alabama has traditionally done is always played to their standard and not played down to the level of competition and not looked at an opponent uh, in, in a way where oh, if we just show up, we'll, we'll, we'll beat these guys. That won't happen versus Ole Miss. And I think Lane Kiffin knows that Lane Kiffin knows they're going to have to play really, really well. They're probably going to, uh, you know, get a really good showing from Alabama and are probably hoping or depending on Alabama continuing to make some of the mistakes they've made in the in the first few weeks. Alabama did taper down the penalties last week. That was a positive because um, that had been problematic for them. So it, I, I think the matchup will be a lot of fun. The other question, though, you got to ask Ole Miss is where is Quinshawn Judkins? Where is the run game that doesn't involve Jackson Dart? We're talking about arguably not only the best running back in the league, but one of the best running backs in the country has been almost non-existent in, in this offense. And that's not – I don't think that's a recipe for, for long-term success for Ole Miss. Um, right now, mybookie.ag playing that minus seven. Alabama still a hefty favorite at home in that big SEC game against the Ole Miss Rebels this weekend. That one goes at 2.30 on CBS. All right, so a couple of quick notes in our final drive to the end of the show here. Um, Fresno State's 3-0, and but South Alabama got the big win over Oklahoma State. In the group of five, they had a big weekend. Three of them beat Big 12 teams. Uh, who Who is the, the likely New Year's Six Bowl rep from the group of five right now. Is it Fresno State? Is Mikey Keene impressed you the most? Who is it? Um, I would say it's it's probably Fresno, but I still put a lot of stock in Tulane. 
They won again with their backup quarterback. They're playing the long game. They're not going to put Michael Pratt back in there until they have to. Um, they will be favored in every game they play um, in, in that conference. I could still see them finishing 11-1, and 12-1, but potentially with a conference championship. I think they could be in there. Fresno State's legit. Um, I, I do believe that. Um, so they could be in there. We've seen them, you know, be a dominant group of five uh, program before. So I don't know, man. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. How about how about James Madison? James Madison's one that that could go on a on a significant run. Uh, they're not in the transition year like they were a year ago. So uh, they're a team to maybe keep an eye on at the group of five level. South Alabama, you mentioned as well. They got athletes, man. Yeah. They, they really do. Good win, by the way, for James Madison in a great game against uh, Troy. That was a hefty battle there on the NFL Network. Michael Penix Jr., I don't know if you're going Shadur Sanders Ooh. or who for your Heisman right now, but uh, 375 more yards and four touchdowns by halftime at Michigan State. They beat Michigan State in East Lansing 41-7 to there. Uh, 713 yards of offense, and now they play Cal as they ease yeah. into the Pac-12. They're back at home for a little purple rain. Yeah, Cal Cal is going to be spicy on defense, though, and they always are. Um, but, yeah, they got to go on the road. I'll tell you what, man. You watch Washington. You watch Michael Penix Jr. Sometimes I feel like he throws incompletions just because you're supposed to have some. <laughs> right? It's like it's – like, this dude doesn't miss, man, and when he does, it ain't by a lot, right? And like, he, I, I, I think he may be the most accurate deep ball passer that we have right now in college football. He's so good at dragging guys across the field deep, whether it's a post, whether it's a corner, and dropping the ball in the bucket. Um, that's the thing that you got to be impressed with with Washington is those yards and those plays are big. They're not dink and dunk. They're not dink and dunk. This show flies by, Lugs. Replay starts in a second. We'll do it again next Monday. Watch everything here on the Next Round platform. Have a great week, Luke and Bill. We'll see you on TV. Until next time, God bless you and God bless America. Love it, buddy.